This episode of the Sleep Teacher Podcast is made possible thanks to your reformer. There's no denying getting to the gym can feel like a daunting and impossible task when you're a parent, so I've always loved a home workout for this reason. With over 350 classes in their on-demand app and the ability to hire a reformer for just $39 a week, it's never been easier to sneak a workout in during Bub's nap time. Thank you, your reformer. Hello and welcome to the Sleep Teacher Pod, the podcast for all the parents out there who just want sleep. I'm Christy, owner of The Sleep Teacher, and I am joined by my colleague, Beth. If you are in the trenches of sleep deprivation, we see you, we feel you, and trust us, this podcast is going to become your new BFF. We want you to know that you can still be a lovingly attached parent and get good sleep. You don't have to choose between the two. So pop Bub in the carrier, grab yourself a coffee, put those headphones in, because we have all the sleep tips coming your way. Let's get napping, mama. Hello, everybody. It's Christy and Beck from The Sleep Teacher. Hope you're all well. How are you, Beck? I am good. Good, good, good. Just rolling. I am great because my kids went back to school yesterday <laughs> after. I know. Oh, it feels like, honestly, it was close to seven weeks this year and that's a long school holidays. Do you remember when you finished in December? Yeah, the last day was the 16th. Yeah, okay, because we finish on the 9th, which I just think is so early. So but early. But they went yeah. back on the, you know, in January. So, yeah, you went back last week. You 20, were, whatever you were week it was. Yeah. Us. How has Alfie gone? Like one or like nearly two weeks in at yes. preschool, prep, <laughs> kindergarten, big school, whatever. How's he gone? He is enjoying himself. He seems to be. Yeah you know, loving it. He wasn't really mm. in his class, didn't have met many kids from his kindergarten, which is like his last year of yep. daycare. But he knows lots of people in his year so uh, yeah. and his cousins with him too. So that's oh, always happy. helpful. So, yeah, it's um, still exciting. So hoping that we run with that for a bit. Yes. Yes, mm. yes. Makes it easier when they actually like it. I have been thinking of all our mums out there who have got little ones studying daycare and things like that this year. It can be very, you know, daunting, you know, and we understand like naps and things like that can take sort of a hit for a little while. And we have done a whole episode on that. If you haven't listened to it, please do. You might get some reassurance from that. Mm. But yeah, other than that, all going well. Today's episode, we're talking about the three to two nap transition. So this one we've done, we've touched briefly before on this one in like a Q&A, but we constantly get asked about it. So we just thought we'll just do a whole episode on it. But yeah, in terms of nap transitions, Beck's little one's actually just dropping his day nap. Well, she's trying to hold on to it <laughs> as long as she well, can. Well, it's like, yeah, it's it's hard. He's getting down to around. He just needs that 30 to 45 minutes now. He'll be yeah. three this year, like start of May. You know, you just start to notice him waking up a bit earlier in the morning, whereas he was sort of sleeping. When he does have it. Yeah. Like he was kind of sleeping yeah. past 6.30 and now it's sort of towards six. So Ooh, don't go. I know. Go across the dark side and get the five. the cutoff <laughs> point. So it's kind of just like managing because he'll still go down for it fine, you know, so mm. that's where it can be a little bit tricky. It's kind of dangling between that 30 minutes to an hour, but getting more towards just 30 and then we'll. Yeah. And you were saying like the other day too, I remember you said you'd been to Movie World or something. Yeah. He can go without it, it now. It got to like five mm. o'clock and he was still happy. And this was like after an hour drive yeah. in the car, he was still awake yeah. and happy. He definitely can manage without a day nap. He just goes to bed around six, quarter past. And when he doesn't have it though, like 
what do you notice? Obviously, I guess when you go to having it consecutively, a few days in a row, you probably notice it more. But if it's just a one-off, is there much of a difference? When he doesn't have it. Yeah. For his overnight sleep or the next, yeah. Yeah, and just like is he waking no, earlier? No, so he kind of like, goes down yeah. sort of around quarter past 20 past 6 and then he'll still sleep between 6 and 6.30. So he's still getting sort of yeah. 12 hours mm. um, without the day yeah. nap. With the day nap, obviously his bedtime is later, so it's more like 7, 7.30. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And I guess for our listeners too, like the reason, you know, people are probably going, well, it obviously works better without it. Why don't you just keep it? And that's where it may look like they're ready to drop it. But when you're doing it consecutively, that sort of mm. sleep debt can build up and it's better to just have that little bit of a transitional period like Beck's doing mm. now and slowly phase it out. As you will hear um, with the third nap, yeah. <laughs> we're going to touch on soon. <laughs> I personally think the three to two nap transition is the best because getting rid of that third nap, it's an absolute bugger to get in and just makes everyone's life a little bit easier. For sure. Hmm. The questions that we're talking about before, the question episodes were done, there's a tab on our website as well that you can go to to submit any voice note questions you want to send through and we will play them and answer your questions. So we'll pop that link in the show notes and we can answer it here for you. Mm-hmm. Right, let's go. I guess the main thing you want to be aware of when approaching this is the age that we would see that third nap drop off. And as a loose guide, and you know, it's pretty much for most babies will fall in this sort of six week period, but between that sort of six and a half months to eight months is generally when we would see that nap drop off. Hmm. It's one of those things that we don't like to hold on to it for too much longer than that eight-month mark because it can start to sort of impact sleep in a lot of other ways. Like it can start to prevent the lunch nap from consolidating, which is obviously, you know, what we want to try to work on. It can start to mean those bedtime battles come <laughs> become quite apparent. And you can also see fragmented night sleep. So those periods of wakefulness where your baby's all of a sudden had that nap and they're having a stretch of sleep going down okay, but then waking quite playful in the middle of the night for a little while on end. Mm. As Chrissy said, it's commonly when we do see these things starting to happen. That's not to say if you have like an eight and a half month old, everything's going fine and you still are giving them a little nap and your night sleep's great. You don't have to be like, oh my God, they're eight months, we have to get rid of it. If you start to see these things occurring, it's likely that it's the third nap. Yeah, and it will more than likely occur sort of within this mm. this period. It's not, you know, that you have to, but it's just that this is commonly when you would see it occur. Like, you know, if you've got other structures throughout the day, it could be a little bit different, but mostly it's that yeah. time. And like we were just saying too, if you do hold on to it for too long, it can make consolidating that midday nap a little bit harder um, just because your baby sort of relies on this. We're not sort of focusing on consolidating that lunch nap. And if you can really spend the time trying to prioritize focusing on consolidating that nap as opposed to just relying on that third nap, that's going to make that transition a little bit easier. So if you start to approach that sort of seven and a half, eight month and your baby's still doing like 40 minutes in the middle of the day and then having that 30 minutes in the afternoon, that would be when I'd probably say, okay, cool, let's start to try now to really focus on working on that lunch nap in order to drop that third nap. Yep. yep. That's right. <laughs> Beck, Beck's nodding. She's like, sorry. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like it is because 
it's not essential that you do do that. If you're like, I'm happy for my baby to have 40 minutes, 40 minutes, 40 minutes, that's absolutely fine. But from a parent of three and Beck's parent of three as well, we know that it's often not sustainable and it can obviously, you know, start I live for my lunchtime nap of two hours, but I don't have any more, but it was good when I did. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And most parents are pretty happy to see that third nap go. Yes, it's true. Like Christy said, even if they're having like an hour, hour 15 at lunch, they do start to kind of rely on the 30 minutes. So even if you were down to 15, like minutes in the afternoon, and you started having that shorter lunch nap, we probably would advise not to start re-offering a full 30 minutes. Just keep it at that sort of 10, 15 to help you while still working on the lunch nap. So we kind of don't want to go back and forth Once you've dropped, and we'll talk about that in a little bit, but we obviously go from like a full 30, then we might start dropping that off a little bit. We try and keep it at the 15, even if you have a short nap and you're at that sort of seven, eight month age. Yeah. And that's why we were sort of saying too, as well, like it's around this age, that seven and a half to eight months that you sort of want to try to start focusing on consolidating it just to make that transition a little bit easier. Because the good thing is like, yes, you can still fall back on that third nap while you are working on consolidating the lunch nap. So if they don't resettle for a long period or they don't at all while you're trying to work on it, you've still got that third nap to rely on without it impacting bedtime too much. But if you let it go for too long, say 10 months and you start to try to drop it, it can get a little bit tricky. So Hmm. yeah, you've just got the benefit of doing it when they can still rely on that third nap without it impacting bedtime. Mm. And I guess then the signs, like what are some of the signs of dropping it? And this can also be a bit gray too. Like there's so many reasons that you think your baby might be ready to drop it, but it's Mm. not necessarily the case. You know, the obvious one is, well, they don't want it. They're refusing it. But if you have a five-month-old who is refusing their 4.30 in air quotes nap, Mm. Which a lot of them will. (laughs) A lot of them will refuse it. Don't drop that nap. A lot of parents come sort of this five, six-month age, they're still trying to offer it at dead on sort of 4.30 or 4.15 or whatever it is, and Bubs is starting to not want it, cry more, that sort of thing. And so we just, oh, well, let's just go to bedtime, leaving a massive awake window after their lunch nap. So it's always a case of don't go too early to offer this third nap. Don't worry too much about extending that normal awake time out for them. So if you've got a bub who's usually doing like two hours and 15 two and a half hours, you know, before naps, just edge it out a bit more. Like that's fine because it's only a little nap. You can use motion and the baby's going to take it with a lot more ease than trying to like think, okay, I've got to have them asleep in 10 minutes. So I'm going to try 20 minutes earlier to like get them asleep by that point. That's where the wheels fall off and Bub's not too happy with you because they're not tired enough for that nap. (laughs) Yeah. Majority of babies will fight this nap and they will seem like they're not ready for it. And the reason is, is because they don't have a biological nap window at that time of day. Like a biological nap window means that your baby's body is sort of optimal for sleep. We know their sleep hormones have dropped, their body temperature's lowered, everything's perfect for sleep. At that time of day when we're usually aiming for a third nap between sort of 4 and 5 p.m., they don't have one of those nap windows and it means that naturally that sleep's really hard to get in. But we know they physically can't stay awake until a decent bedtime without becoming overtired and sort of those knock-on effects of being overtired coming into play. So we really want to force them to have a sleep and we refer to that third nap as a forced nap and that's because we're forcing them to have a sleep when they're not necessarily ready but we know they need it. So it will feel like a bloody hard nap to get in, especially as they approach that six and a half, seven, eight months. But 
whatever you can do to get it in, whether it be like a quick little walk around the block with them in the car area or pacing the hallway or like walk to the park with, you know, your toddler or something with them in the pram. Or just putting them in a dark room in the pram, like giving them a bit of a rock, you know, that's fine. It's not great to have it in the cot and try and get them to like self-settle if they do that in the earlier naps yeah, because you'll spend more time than being upset for just such a short nap. So it's just not worth it. It's just better to wait a little bit longer and then use motion to help them get it in. Yeah. Don't stress yourself trying to get that nap in in the cot. And I always think too, it's such a nice opportunity just to try to get out and about, sort of similar to the morning one if you can. I know it's a hectic time of afternoon, but take the pressure off yourself of trying to settle your baby at home and just get out in the fresh air if you can and Often too, if you've got a toddler, they're getting a little bit, <laughs> a little bit catty that time of it. Yeah, so it's good to just try to get them out on their, you know, whether on their pram or their scooter or whatever. And, and that afternoon sunlight for your toddler is like magic for mm-hmm. their nighttime sleep. So check, check. Yep, help get the production melatonin going, and mm-hmm. so it's good for everyone. It is. <laughs> Yeah. Don't take the fact that your baby is fighting their nap as a sign that they're ready to drop it because it's not necessarily the case for those five months old. Yes, if they're seven and a half, eight months, absolutely. And you're doing everything to get it in, but not at that five or six months. It's just potentially that may need to try a little bit harder to get it in. Mm. And we do find a lot of our routines have that nap at 4.30, but that doesn't mean to say it can't start pushing quarter to five, five o'clock sort of thing. So as long as that nap is wrapped up by 5.30 in the afternoon, that's okay. You can shift that a little bit. Mm. You can, and you can still get like a decent bedtime in with that nap being from say, let's say five or 5.15 to 5.30, mm-hmm. um, depending on how long they're having. But yeah, you can still then get on with a pretty decent bedtime because we do generally see when having that third nap, we do recommend a shorter awake window than what they would have throughout the day, just purely off the back of that short nap as well. Mm-hmm. So the other thing to consider too, with some of the signs of dropping it is are they fighting bedtime when they do have it? So they'll happily have it, but then they're fighting bedtime. So we'll obviously touch on how we drop it and how, you know, fighting bedtime can impact that. But when we are sort of seeing fighting bedtime again, you're going to want to look at their age. You're going to want to look at the time of the nap and you're going to want to look at the length of the nap before you just decide that, yep, that nap's ready to go. As a mom, it can feel so hard to make time for yourself especially if you have a bub who likes to run off those pesky catnaps. The constant sleep-wake-sleep-wake cycle can make it so hard to have any me time. Home workouts were my saviour when my girls were little. It gave me some time to do something for myself when it suited me and my baby. And it left me feeling good at the end. This is why I love your Reformer and their on-demand app. It means you can work out when it suits you in your own home, in your milk-stained clothes if you like. Because taking time for yourself is not selfish, it's essential. Happy mum, happy bub. Head to the link in the show notes or yourreformer.com.au to find out how you can hire a reformer bed from just $39 a week and get that me time happening. And before we maybe look for other reasons, like I have so much on consult. It's like, oh, my baby self-settles so beautifully for nap one and nap two, but now bedtime, they're screaming at me. And I'm like, okay, 
what's happening with nap three. Yeah, have what's you, the, and what's yeah. that lead up like? <laughs> have you extended their awake window? Have you shortened that down? Like babies who self-settle, they're so good at telling you guys when the routine might be slightly off a little bit if you haven't adjusted their, you know, routine in a little bit and all the other sort of factors line up, like their age, nap transition, all that sort of thing. So a lot of people think it's teething or a regression. It's probably that they're just not ready for sleep yet. And that's why, like, don't get us wrong, like crying and being a bit upset at bedtime or nap settles is quite common. But if it's like way past what's normal for your bar, then it's going on like 15, 20, half an hour trying to self-settle at bedtime. There's something else probably going on with the routine. Like you said, they are really good at telling you and you need to like pick up on those cues and yeah, let them (laughs) lead the way a little bit there. But the other thing too with the fighting bedtime and like you just said, Beck, if they're normally really good at self-settling at other times of the day and we know they've got that ability, they haven't lost that ability. It just means that there's certain things not lining up to enable that. So the other thing to consider apart from wake window being off is making sure they're not losing like sleep pressure on that sort of feed before bed and then, you know, having that little doze getting glazy eyed and then getting that reboot and it seems like they're at a party or you're potentially going off their normal awake windows that they have throughout the day and not factoring in that that was a really short nap and they're probably getting into that biological nap window that they have at bedtime and their body's getting ready for sleep but you're just missing it and then them becoming overtired so mm. yeah and sometimes if we miss those early cues and then start to help them because we assume that something else is going on for them and we want to help them out a bit, this is where it can turn into a new preference. And so you might line everything up eventually, but now your baby wants you to do X, Y, Z. Okay. So then you've got to go back to basics and start to get them to self-settle again. <laughs> yeah. It's a whole can of worms. Yeah. <laughs> Just that knock-on effect again. Early starts is another sort of sign that I might be trying to drop it or at least start to reduce it down. So again, we'll touch on that on how do we drop it. But yeah, if you notice, it's not really impacting their day naps as such, but all of a sudden they started to early rise and you're all environmental factors are taken care of and you know it's not that. And previously they were sleeping quite well, then that's when I would look back at routine and go, okay, is it time to reduce that nap down? Because yeah, everything else is still in place the way it was. And yeah, and take that as a good indication that it might be time to drop it off. Mm, And that is typically the first thing you'll see as well. If your bub was waking after six and then they're starting to wake at like six, quarter to six, 5.30, that third nap starting to steal that sleep pressure from your early mornings. Mm, Starting to creep a little bit earlier and earlier. Yeah. And if we don't do anything, it then kind of trickles further down into the night. (laughs) Last thing you want to see is a four o'clock on the clock. (laughs) Five's bad enough. (laughs) And 4am, guys, is a night wake. That is not an early morning rise. That is definitely still a night wake. AM, it is a night wake. Treat it like a night wake, just like you would at 1am. Your baby is not starting their day at 4am. That's a night wake and we're probably just like, oh, they're not going back to sleep, so we're going to get up. But we do really want to work on that because that's really tricky one to um, move past, especially if you're like getting them up and putting screens on or, you know, mm. depending on the age. But yeah. That's... We have a whole episode on early rising, by the way. <laughs> and a free guide. And we do have a free early rising guide. Yes. Mm. We can pop that in the link below. Maybe. Mm. The big one. How do we drop it? You just drop it and hope for the best, don't you? Fingers crossed. <laughs> Pray to the sleep gods. <laughs> Uh, no. Jump out to five hours, awake time. As exciting as it is getting rid of it, we need to gradually do this, guys. Otherwise, it's not going to be pretty. So first of all, 
you want to reduce that nap down. If they're having 30 minutes, you definitely can't just expect them to go from 30 to nothing. It needs to be a gradual thing just to make that transition a lot easier, get them used to longer awake windows because it might work one day, but then once that sleep debt starts to build up, it's just that knock-on effect again. And I think as well, before you start, if you're kind of considering, okay, I think my bub's ready, we'd probably get you to extend the awake window before bed first to about like once you're at sort of two hours of awake time before bed and it's still sort of not working, this is when we would say, okay, let's look at dropping your full 30 minutes down to like 15 or so. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So 10 to 15 minutes for that third nap before it drops is pretty common and totally acceptable. Don't think that a 10, 15 minute nap is going to not take the edge off. It's still going to do its job and it's going to be age appropriate, but we need to gradually get it to that. And like Beck said, once we've reduced that nap, we would also make sure we've increased the afternoon awake window to sort of a maximum of two hours with a 15 minute nap before dropping it off. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, you don't want to just reduce it and keep the awake window at sort of like an hour and a half, an hour 45, because it's still going to be a long period of wakefulness for your little one before dropping it. So if we can reduce the nap, increase the afternoon awake window, it will make that process a little bit easier for your baby. Mm. Yes. And so once you're at that 15-ish minutes before 5.30 and then your bedtime is still by 7.30, because that's probably ideal when you're looking at dropping nap three, we still want bedtime by sort of 7.30. That would be so fine. Just it's better to keep that nap for a little bit longer, then drop it and keep your bedtime at like a 6.37 because when they drop it anyway, bedtime usually jumps closer to 6, which is not sustainable, especially if you've got other children. So it can be better if you can hold on to it for a little bit. They're a little bit older, so they have a better chance at quickly getting to like four hours of awake time and you're not in limbo for four weeks or something because <laughs> they yeah. just can't make it past 6 p.m. And that's another reason why it's super, super important to try to get that lunch nap consolidated mm. prior to dropping it because it can just make for such a long afternoon awake window. Mm. Yes, it can. Long afternoon. Mm. <laughs> Once it's at that 15 and then, you know, you're getting either false starts still or early wakes or, you know, waking in the night, this is when we'd be like, okay, let's start to give it a go of not having a third nap. This is off the back of they really do need to have that consolidated lunch nap of at least, you know, an hour and a half close to two hours is ideal. Sometimes even if for younger bubs, if they want to keep sleeping at that lunch nap, we would wake them up by two and a half hours and then try to get them at least to three hours, 15 minimum before bed. Some will be okay with three and a half before bed. It's just a bit of trial and error. Yeah. We don't want to have anything less than that because they're really going to just treat bedtime as their nap. Because obviously if they've been used to doing two hours awake, then just going to three isn't going to potentially be enough sleep pressure and enough drive to sleep to encourage that to be bedtime. And you might find that they just wake after 40 minutes and ready to party. And a lot of the time, they're probably close to three hours of awake time before nap two anyway, if they're looking at dropping nap three. Yeah. So they could tolerate that. So we do want to push them a little bit more before bedtime just to increase that sleep drive. Yeah. It's a delicate, it, delicate dance. It, 
Lovely worded, but yes, it very much is. Like you just said, they are usually around this sort of seven to eight months. They're sort of tolerating that three hours between nap one and two anyway. So to have anything less than that three, 15, three and a half in between lunch nap and bedtime, it's probably not going to be enough to encourage that long stretch of sleep that we really want. And we really do want to protect that night's sleep. Once you find that they've dropped it and they're tolerating that three and a half, the goal is to gradually slowly increase and get as close to sort of four hours as you can. And the good news is once you're at that four hours and they're on those two naps, all the routines we recommend. Break out the champagne. You're set. You've got some consistency (laughs) here now, guys, for a good period. And then go and listen to our two-to-one podcast. And and you'll be be ready to go. You'll be prepped. (laughs) But, yeah, that is the good thing. Like once that third nap goes and you've reached that four hours, you're gradually increasing, like adding some 10 minutes on once you start to notice that, yep, they've been on three and a half for a while. Bedtime's now taking potentially 10 to 15 minutes. Might just add on an extra 10 minutes of wake time. And then once they're tolerating that, just gradually again, another 10 minutes until you get to around that four hours. And you should then find routine stays pretty consistent until that morning nap drops. So it's a good probably six months of that same routine, which is bliss if it's all falling into place for you. Mm, Yep. I feel like this transition, it can be a little bit tricky because you do like need to have that longer lunch nap or at least one long nap in the day happening in order to make it possible to drop the third nap. But it's so much better once it goes. It really is. But don't let it go too early. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. It might feel like it's easier to let it go when it's an absolute pain in the butt to get in. But yeah, try. And you might play jump rope a little bit, especially for the younger kids. You might find lunch nut went really well. They slept. You woke them up after two and a half hours, and you're like, sweet we can go straight to bedtime. And then the day after they might only do an hour and a half to hour 40 at lunch and you could have time to squeeze in that little 15 minutes for them, which is always going to be better. If you're within the age and you can fit it in, I would always try to fit it in rather than stretching their awake window before bed because it will help you overnight for Mm. sure. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like any nap transition, it's still okay to play jump rope with it for a couple of weeks and a lot of babies do and that's the beauty of it. You've still got it there to fall back on if needed. So yeah. Hope, that's hope that it, helps, guys. Yeah. yeah, that's it. It's a nice quick one today. But I feel like we'll have this on the stories every week because it's yeah. asked a lot. So we're going to be referencing. Well, the two to one nap transition is our second most popular episode. The first one's a four month regression. Of course, it's four month regression. Of yeah. course it is. Yeah. Well, I reckon this could be number three. <laughs> Who knows? <Yeah. laughs> no, I think this one's going to trump the two to one. Yeah. It's tricky. I think so. I think so. Okay, well, that's it from us. Nighty night. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us for today's episode of the Sleep Teacher Pod. We hope you've walked away feeling just that little bit more at ease with your parenting journey. Please remember, nothing is a problem until it actually becomes a problem for you and your family. If you've enjoyed our company today, we would love if you could please subscribe or leave a review or maybe even both. But if you are wanting more sleep tips right away, use the link in the show notes to find out how you can get started with one of our amazing sleep consultants and follow us over on Instagram at The Sleep Teacher. We can't wait to be back in your ears next week with more sleep tips. Nighty night.